Blur it up, blur it up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. We are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. Find us on Anchor, anchor.fm. They're kind of the the tree word from whenceforth all of our streaming services uh, are found. If you have a podcast and you want to get in touch with them, hit them up at A-N-C-H-O-R period F-M dot com. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by, what did we do last time? Rapper, DJ, actor, <laughs> model. I mean, dude, what, what don't you do? Uh, I don't know. Cook very well. Really? Yeah, I don't. I'm okay. Word? Yeah. I'm Sorry. actually working on that as like one of, one of my New Year's my New Year's resolutions. I saw the the post, which yeah, was man. one one new uh, recipe a week or something. I'm like trying that? to do two new meals a month. Two a month, okay. But I end up doing like five. So that's it's, what's it's up. It's cool. It's really fun. I I was always an oven oven chef mm. at home, and so without having a full size oven, it's been difficult for me. I feel you. Yeah. Be- before we get too deep into that, <laughs> please welcome Jack Zilla. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for having me. As always, I appreciate it. Yeah. We had a great time on the last show. We talked about where we thought hip-hop was going. But this show is about our favorite albums of the past decade. Right. It was really an impossible task, but we tried to narrow them down to 10. Seriously. Like, I even tried to I even tried to find one per decade that I liked. But then I was like, wait, but I really like 2013. I mean, one, one, one per, per year, year rather. Okay. Within the decade, and I was like, but nah, I really like 2012, 2013. So I had, it was diff- it was rough, man. Yeah. Quite the task. We'll, we'll give our honorable mentions and all that. For sure. Before we get into that, let's just talk about last decade. You know, there's a lot of older heads, you know, this, this rap shit sucks now. It's all about <laughs> the trap and all about blah, 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 blah. But I don't know your feelings on it, but I thought this was really an amazing decade if not the best in rap so far right like if to me the the i guess late 80s to mid 90s is the epitome it's the peak of of hip-hop for me so far Mm -hmm. but that would be immediately followed by the 2010s and i think just as far as the amount of variety that we saw in this decade you know from the the trap to the more emo side of things or the you know the more socially conscious like it was all there the youth kind of you know went from you know it was kind of a stereotype that when younger rappers would come out they would just be wild and only party but you see a lot of the younger rappers coming out with more introspective type songs you know with you know from the 2010s like so yeah i think this would be my second favorite decade so far to me it's kind of like i thought about this as you were talking it's like video games these days, there are these, you know, people complain about, you know, all these games are just shooters now. But there's so much variety out mm-hmm. there. There are blockbuster shooters. There are blockbuster action games. There are blockbuster horror games. But there are also these indie games that are really tiny, 16-bit, 8-bit, etc. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still 80s, 90s sounding boom bap out there. Mm-hmm. There's still, you know, your premier produced uh, albums and Pete Rock, uh, Sky Zoo, like kind of carrying that mantle. Right. But as you said, there's so much more variety now. And so anyone who still holds this 
grudge against this generation in this past decade. You just you aren't listening hard enough. I think the beauty of this decade comes from the ease of creating music now that everybody can, you know, have their own home studio that, you know, where they can create, you know, pretty decent sounding music. And then also distribution. Right. Like, you know, there's SoundCloud has taken our hip hop genre to an entirely different level. And, um, you know, we no longer need to press CDs. We no longer need these large label, you know, record labels for these, distribution. These gatekeepers, exactly. essentially. You know, they can, we can cut out the middleman now and go straight to the people. And I think that has helped elevate the art a right. lot um, over the past decade. And it's also just more black ownership, even with labels, right? Right, right. You know, TDE is such a Goliath now. Mm-hmm. Um, Dreamville, of course. And being independent is no longer like being a unicorn. You know what I mean? Right. Like being independent is now the desired status versus, right. you know, the previous decade where being signed was what everybody wanted to be. They gotta wanted that be. signing bonus. Right. They wanted to, you know, oh, I'm signed to this record label. Now I got a Lambo. You know what I mean? That was right. that was the status symbol. Now it's I own my masters. I own, you know, I get all of my money from my touring. You know, that's that's the status. And I think that's where it was supposed to head this whole time. Yeah, totally. I wanted to do a show about our favorite rap albums of last year, but you said you weren't really keeping in touch with that. You're busy. You're busy doing everything last last Man. year. You've been how many movies you've been in? I mean, so far nine. Jesus. And uh, nine nine movies, and uh, just recently one TV show. You were a pitcher, right? Right. Right. I saw that. The you were in City Girls as like a tattoo artist, right? Was it City Girl? I forgot. I forgot. I forgot <laughs> no. that that name. No, I'm, I'm tripping. It's called Girl Cops. I'm tripping. Girl Cops. You know? <laughs> My bad. Yeah, in Girl Cops. I played uh, JD, the tattoo artist. That's cool. That's real cool. The happy tattooist. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, last year was probably one of my least favorite years for for rap. Hmm. There was some great stuff. Don't get me wrong, but compared to for me, I think rap really hit its stride last decade, 2012, mm-hmm. and it kind of for me peaked 2018. Mm-hmm. Like like that that six year run was just like just amazing stuff. Just R and B too, which we'll get to a little bit later on too. Have you, did you hear the Billy Woods Hiding Place album? I haven't. Oh, it's just super. It's a very kind of dark, nihilistic personal but also just kind of a macro perspective on on life like one of my favorite lines from it was about healthcare, and he said i got a letter from the government the other day i opened it and read it said it wasn't covered (laughs) you know um so before we get into the decade stuff i want to give a shout out to that album specifically i really liked um kajanada's album Mm -hmm. bubba that was probably my favorite album because it was just it was just happy like last year was such a dark, it was such a bad year, mm-hmm. and to end with Bubba was really nice for me. For me, if I if I had to talk about last year, mm-hmm. um, and a group that I you know I really really wish I could have uh, put one of their albums in my top ten, but I just, in fairness, they really really emerged last year, which was uh, Griselda. Oh yeah yeah yeah, and um, you know. Westside Gun, Benny the Butcher, Conway, like those three dudes kind of took hip hop by storm, brought it back to that mid 90s essence. They, you know, 
more, more like like a Wu Tang feel. Right. Well, I mean, well, you know, if you listen to you know the interviews, like Westside Gun credits the Wu Tang for, you know, being their inspiration mm-hmm. in general. Um, even I think uh, Raekwon did the intro right. to their most recent album. Right, right, right. But um, like their their sound. I'm, to be honest, I'm addicted to what they to their production right now. That really totally. down tempo, really dark, yeah, Darren's man, gritty, like yeah. that. To me, they they might just mark a period in time if we pay closer attention to what's going to come 2020. I'm, you know, we'll t- I know we're going to talk about what we hope for in mm-hmm. the next uh, decade later, but I think if I think with the amount of steam that they have. Uh, I think they're going to mark a period of time and a different kind of shift where, you know, the grimy rap has holds a different type of weight than it than it used to. It doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, like normally people would associate this type of dark grimy rap with, oh, be careful around those guys. You can't go to their concerts. You're going to get shot up mm-hmm. versus I think it's going to start being, yo, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. This is that reality. They make good music coming from this. And it doesn't have to be this. I I don't know. I just feel some sort of growth is going to come out of this. It's, they're they're different types of dudes. They you know they got their clothing label that sells out every time they drop something. Sure. They're just different, man. And I really like them. So I, I wish I could have put them in my in my top ten, but just just because they just really started blowing up, I didn't think it was fair. I feel that. I really like that album, for sure. I like everything they put out. My favorite is my favorite is still um, the West Side Doom tracks. Like a Gorilla Monsoon. Ooh, that's my song. Literally, that's my song. I probably listen to that song probably ten times, fifteen times a week. That's a good joint. Uh, that's that's my that's one of my favorite Griselda tracks. Period. I remember when I first heard that song, it it hit me it hit me pretty hard. I, I just like the the collabs. Mm-hmm. Some favorite collabs of the decade was that one and Between Villains, um, Captain Murphy. Earl mm-hmm, Sweatshirt mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. of Doom. I love that song. Oh, I forgot about that song, actually. It's a great joint. I had, to, I had to put that in my notes to listen to that on the way home. I love that song. Hell yeah. That's one thing that making this list was really good for. Was it reminded me of songs that I haven't heard in a while. Okay. Let's get started. Just to let you guys know, I didn't really rank these. I think my number, my top three, or for sure my top one is definitely my top one. Same here. Yeah. But all these, you could put them anywhere. They were, they were all just fantastic records. You want to go first or you go first? Uh, how are we going to do this, one and one? Yeah. All right. You can go first. It's okay. Cool. I'm going to start off with, it's kind of a tie, but I'm going to give it to the former, and that's Until the Quiet Comes and You're Dead by Flying Lotus. A lot of people will argue that Cosmic Grammar is his best album. It, it was kind of Flylo doing a dissertation, exploring like every electronic genre but there's something kind of appealing about the focus mm. of his later two albums and you're dead really hit me hard because it it was dedicated to to death and not necessarily being afraid of it well there are songs about being afraid of it but also kind of embracing it and being inspired to just be better while you're here right and to also just not be afraid when you go too right um Never Catch Me by Kendrick Lamar is still my favorite song of the decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about him a little later, I'm sure. But uh, that song, specifically in that video shot by, was it Hiro Murai, the the director who yeah, yeah. did Atlanta? Just amazing video. Same really inspired. Did, um, this is America, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
So, I mean, he he came up too, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, your dad's such a great record. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, when um when your dead came out, I wasn't really. I had heard of Flylo, like mm-hmm. I wasn't too too big up on him, but I went back and dug into his dis- discography after that, and was like, okay, yeah. So I know, I knew the, I knew the family, like I knew Thundercat, like mm-hmm. I knew these guys, you know, but I wasn't too big on him. But You're Dead, like you said, had such a big impact, I think, on me musically, and um, you know, th- I discovered Captain Murphy at that point. I was like, you know, this is this is the sound right now. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. It fit that time that time period, that Absolutely. 2014. It was perfect for that. Absolutely. And you know, like you said, you know, never catch me. That that video, there was just something about it. Um, you know, the kids dancing, you know, throughout the entire video. It was just, it was touching. It had a really dark and slightly morbid theme, but there was just something that was so attractive about it that you know you couldn't take your eyes off, and you found yourself watching it over and over and over again. For those who never who never seen the video, it's there's a funeral. And there are two kids dead. And everyone's just sad and not really moving, just very stoic. And in the middle of the song, the kids kind of come alive and start dancing. And I'm assuming it's, it's their spirits. They're coming alive and dancing. And the, they're not mourning their own death, which is just an amazing juxtaposition about how we see it while we're on this plane of existence. And as you said, just really inspiring, really, really moving video. Word up. Just, just, just black excellence all around. Absolutely. And that verse from Kendrick was just wow. Just <laughs> ah, Kendrick, we'll mm-hmm. get there. We'll get there. Yeah, man. Well, my number one is you know staying in that family. I guess is uh, Kamasi Washington's 2018 album Heaven and Earth. That is my favorite album absolutely of the past 10 years period wow i can listen to that album eyes closed straight through not fall asleep not get bored just every single song hits me in a different way even though you know simply because of the the, his style of music and his band each song sounds a little bit similar but they Mm -hmm. each sound they each flow it's it's like a movie like listening listening to that album is like watching a movie the epic his 2016 album is the same way but this one just it hit me i was fortunate enough to see him live last year at uh, yes 24 and man like brought me to tears not joking i was right in the front row my wife bought me a seat the Mm -hmm. last front row seat sitting right in the front and just watching him play he's a master brought his father out again uh, I sat right in front of Patrice Quinn while she's, you know, dancing like Groot the entire time singing, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. that, that album itself, my Street Fighter Moss, mm-hmm. I've probably, you know, I probably have used a month worth, a month's worth of data just streaming that song alone, <laughs> Street Fighter Moss. It's great. That's yeah, great. And the, the music video is great too. It has all, has the whole family in it. Thundercats in there, you know, riding through, riding with the, the drop top playing Street Fighter it actually made me go and play Street Fighter at a local bar that I like. They have, uh, they actually have the Street Fighter mm-hmm. sticks, and so I was like, "Man, I want to go play." And um, my buddy Jay, the magician, whoops me every single time. I don't know why, but the, yeah, I love that. That's that's my number one, my top album of the entire decade. Are we starting off with with the top of the decade? Just happened to be my first. Okay. That, you know, the these are the undeniables. Okay, right? these okay. are the ones that that we have no questions about. Got it. I I have that album. I listened to the Epic in 2015. That was that was a really great great album. 
I honestly haven't listened to it to Heaven Earth that much. Mm-hmm. So I will revisit it probably just going home today. Why not, man? Dig into it. Yeah, I saw him live two years ago because mm-hmm. he came last year, but I was busy. But last year I saw him and he was, he was, him, the whole band was fantastic. Yeah. They're just, it's like watching the John Coltrane of our time. Exactly that. You know? He was touring this year with um, my favorite musician of all time, Little Jack Trivia, Herbie Hancock. Mm-hmm. And if I could have gone to any one concert in the entire world that year, that would have been it. My totally. current favorite jazz musician and my favorite musician of all time together is like a dream come true. Yeah. And then I think at some point they brought Robert Glasper with them too, which... Oh, word? Can you imagine that? Oh, that's ridiculous. Kamasi that's Washington, crazy. Robert Glasper, and Herbie Hancock that's in the same crazy. place. That's nuts. My next album, Odyssey, The Iceberg. Okay. And Great you were album. and you and you inspired me to do this. You, I had a list, and you, and you sent me yours, mm-hmm. and I was like, it wasn't this album, but mm-hmm. I was like, man, I remember I listened to both of them, and I really, my first foray into writing and blogging, I wrote for a now gone website called Net Sidebar, and in the Good Fight was in my top fifteen of two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. But the iceberg, if you combine the best of both albums, I think it would be top three albums of the decade but Mm -hmm. odyssey it's like when we we talk about kanye as the greatest rapper producer in rap but we gotta talk about odyssey you have to add him in that in that category in that conversation i've been listening to him since college and it's been dope to watch his artistic journey and the iceberg is just an incredibly introspective positive and beautifully orchestrated album odyssey is just such a real dude yeah you weren't here when he he played live here. I was out of town. I wanted to go. It was just an amazing show. And he's just a really great guy, humble guy. Um, he's religious. He's Muslim. And while it's not in his rhymes, like you, you feel the love and, mm-hmm. and the lessons that he's learned from life as well as his, his discipline and his focus. And it's like people look up to certain rappers. But for me, he's a person that I would choose more than anyone else in the game, personally. Mm-hmm. For me, the iceberg... I So... What what you're referring to? I had um I had Odyssey and I have Odyssey in my honorable mentions. Yeah, and specifically I had the Good Fight, and it was so difficult to choose between those two albums for Same. me. Same. Uh, the Iceberg right now is in my it's in my driving rotation. Mm-hmm. Like it it's been there for since it came out. It yeah. hasn't come out. Um, but the Good Fight for me just kind of I don't know. It was a it was a I don't I don't even know how to really separate them. I just know that the good fight had more songs on it that I found myself coming back to. Sure. Um you know, the Iceberg album, you know, I play um Thing that's that's Things, yeah. Things is my favorite song on that album, period. Like I've actually I I have a CD player in my car. Mm-hmm. And so I I still have to burn CDs and that one is on so many of my of my driving Mixes, albums, yeah. right? That's so driving mixes so that that song and you know there are several songs on there Never but I, it just flow yeah, yeah man it just flows straight through he got some go go on it I'm I'm from I'm from Maryland so I'm from the DMV so some of the songs that he has put on all of the albums actually have our hometown sound on it and I you know I just love it I've always been a fan of his um, like his back in with his old crew like when mm-hmm. uh, he used to rock with Anonymous in the old days like I've always been a big Odyssey fan but so I had to include him in there somehow but I just couldn't. It was so difficult to take them out of my top ten, mm-hmm. but I had to be honest with myself. There was there were not there were ten other albums that I thought were better 
in, on my list. I think the thing that pushed it over for me was, again, you talked about what the sound is of the decade, and I just loved the live in- instrumentation mm-hmm. on the album, and You Grew Up. You um, Grew Up, oh, yeah. It's such a well-timed song that came out during the fight against Trump's Muslim ban. The empathy he feels for everyone who falls to extremism is powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2017, when this album came out, it was probably the height of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And to be brave with that take... Mm-hmm. meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Just so many gems on that album, you know. I remember when I discovered Purpose, I was good at something, finally worth it. I mean, that stuff, just, he just, he's just such an inspiring figure. Like, I, for me, and I'll talk about this a little later on in the show, but this last decade seems to be defined by prosperity rap, outrage, pain, mental health, and to just have this kind of consistent light mm-hmm in the industry is just such a we really need it mm-hmm. i agree well staying in um staying i guess in that range of mental health and everything my second uh the second song on the list the second album of the list was kid cuddy's indie cut mm-hmm. and i guess that album it, i mean it's a great album but it also is very personal to me it represented a specific transitional period of my life I came to Korea in 2010 as a teacher, and 2013 was the year when I was transitioning transitioning out of teaching, and it was rough. You know, I was I, you know, I ran out of that that pension money burns quickly. Mm. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I ran out of money. I didn't really have much going on, and just that dark sound, that deep sound, that introspective sound that you know, the times when I was doubting myself and doubting what was going on. Kid Cudi somehow naturally spoke to it, whether it was through his, you know, his bouts with substance abuse or whether it was just songs like Unfuckwittable or, you know, certain other things. But for some reason, that album just hit so hard, as many of his other albums do. Um, again, it was it was a struggle choosing which of his albums I wanted to like. I wanted to do Man on the Moon, too. Um, Mr. Rager, that was a that was another album that really hit hard for me. Um but I just think this one had more songs on it that I find myself, again, going back to. It's an album that I can listen to to this day from front to back hmm. without, you know, without skipping anything. Kid Cudi, period. You know, if, if you've had any, would you have, if anybody has had any online discourse with me about hip hop, you'd know Kid Cudi is one of my favorite artists in the world, period. Okay. And um, he, you know, he speaks to a lot of things that I feel strongly about. And he represents a um, the type of person that I think a lot of people could you know strive to be as far especially if you've had any issues with substance substance abuse in the past or any kind of mental health issues that you've had trouble getting over. He's kind of a role model for a lot of us. Um, you know, even though it's considered emo rap, it's a lot more I, a lot more introspective. I've I've called it emo rap myself, and it kind of is. You know, but you know, hey, I might be an emotional dude. Whatever. That's okay. <laughs> Shout out to CJ. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never heard this album before. What? And to be honest, to be even more honest, I don't really have never really listened to Cuddy that much. Hmm. I think I've listened to Man on the Moon one time. The first one? I don't even remember. I can't even tell you wow. which I have or have not listened to. The only thing that I remember listening to and I listened to a bit when it came out was Kids He Ghosts. Okay. And I like that album. Um but obviously I think that's very different from his solo projects. But 
again, that's another one I want to listen to. I will I will look it up for sure. Definitely. I you know, if you're going to listen to if you're going to go back and check them out, I recommend listening listening to them in order. Man of the Moon okay. 1, Man of the Moon 2, and then Indicut because the you'll then you'll understand Kitsy Ghost actually a bit better and why people kind of gravitate towards a specific part of that album okay. and kind of ignore another. Oh, the hum humming <laughs> the I, my thing about cuddy and maybe something i have to just get over is kind of the monotone it's mm-hmm. aesthetically a little hard for me to get into but i'm going to try to listen to it it's not all monotone and okay humming. okay it, it, it I mean, a lot of it is the humming is not, not the issue <laughs> but i remember i heard one album it was just kind of a very dead kind of like it's like as an aesthetic i'm assuming that it's it's symbolic of maybe his emotions in, in right, a way. And so right. I understand it. It's like I get the concept. I guess I need to listen to it a few more times to really let it sink in. Because as a person, like I remember he did an interview where he was talking about how he's ruined relationships like with women and stuff and reali- and finally realized and put it out like this was my fault and I need to own that. And again in this decade admitting men black men especially admitting their faults their their weaknesses i think that's a very powerful thing a mm-hmm. very liberating thing and so i i do want to give him another chance I on i think you should yeah yeah i, I will <laughs> going on with substance abuse uh i'm gonna go with mac miller okay and another tie sorry i'm cheating here but faces and delusional thomas first and foremost rest in peace mac miller rest in peace um, I can't think of another rapper who had such a complicated arc and just development this past decade. Mm. Really, any decade. I can't think of any rap, any artist who's gone through what he's gone through. He went from kind of frat rap to just this nihilism to I'm in love with love and everything's great to just crashing. Mm. And this may be controversial, but for me druggy nihilistic mac was my favorite version of him hmm. i mean as a person i want him to be clean and happy of course i wanted him to be clean and happy but because his mind and lyrics wander off topic even on some of his more serious tracks on later albums i feel like this kind of circa 2013-14 pocket was really his lane one of his one of you know one of his biggest tracks is self-care from the swimming album mm-hmm. and you know, he, he'll have a line like, can't trust no one, can't even trust yourself. Yeah, and that's a line you really feel, but it mm-hmm. follows up with, tell them they can take that bullshit elsewhere. When it comes to introspection, there are a number of rappers who handle it with a defter hand. And so again, I kind of liked where he was in this time. So right. really from the beginning of 2013 to 14, I was going through a job change and a breakup, which were both very stressful and they really, really, really messed me up. And his string of releases, you know, watching movies with the sound turned off and Delusional Thomas followed by Faces was just an incredible three-piece combo. But I found myself listening to the latter two the most. Hmm. I can't think of more irreverent, nihilistic albums besides uh, Oblivion Access by Lil Ugly Mane. I don't know if you've heard that or not. It's, I think I think I saw you post it or something. It's, like it's a crazy album. But anyway, when you put these albums on, you're really, like, transported into like a, a different universe, particularly with Delusional Thomas. The, it's like a Quasimodo-voiced horrorcore. 
which for those who don't know, it's a lost subgenre of rap, you know, Dr. Octagon from mm-hmm. the mid-90s. But the beats are so haunting and atmospheric. There's a line where Mac says he just wanted to get high and forget what day it is. And for me, at that time, that's how I felt for a long time. And that, that left a big impact on me for a long time. I have a mix uh, under my false face Mixcloud page where I have a lot of those two albums in that mix. Hmm. To be totally honest, I never really got into Mac Miller much. Okay. I, I respect him. He's an artist where I can listen to the music if somebody else plays him if he comes on, but I don't find myself reaching to press play for Mac Miller mm-hmm. much. Um, I it's it's my fault because honestly, when he came out, I had uh, I had a misconception about him. I you know he was I to me he was like oh you know this guy he's trying to be Asher Roth. I was an Asher Roth fan. Okay. And um, you know that I forgot about him. That's un that's unfair, you know, just because he's he's a white rapper, and and I connected him with Asher Roth because the frat rap thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he grew to be so much more than that, totally. and um, you know, was it watching movies with the sound off? There were a lot of tracks on that one I liked. Yeah. Um, my favorite is still Complexes and Duplexes with mm-hmm. Jay Electronica. Yeah. Um, that that's one that I do go back to honestly because I'm a huge Jay Leg fan, but. Right. Uh, that's the one that made me decide to listen to Mac Miller further. And so, again, that after listening to that song, I was like, all right, let me check him out. And then I liked I liked what I heard. I just didn't find myself going to him. Even this latest album that everybody raved about, you know, I didn't... Circles? Circles, right. I didn't find myself going... You know, I didn't find myself in a hurry to listen to it. I played it in the background mm-hmm. while I was doing other stuff before. It was like, you know, it was a good vibe. But I didn't really pay too much attention to it. That's not to say that I don't respect vibe? him. It was a good vibe. A, I got my work done. Vibe. I got my work done. Okay. I don't. I didn't hear one word that he said. Okay. But, but the, the the music, the instrumentation, you know, and him being such a dope producer too, you know, what I mean, like that says says a lot about where his head was. You know totally. what I mean, like the, the vibe that he could create. So I, yeah, I respect him a lot. I just you know I can't call myself a true fan of his. Yeah, I think if you're a fan of Cuddy. The al the albums or just the tracks where he's a little more introspective about himself and um, like on watching movies uh, what was it called Objects in the Mirror mm-hmm. great song I mean self care is still good too um, hurt feelings even that that opening song on swimming I forgot the, the the song's name but he put out some really great stuff all right so my next one um, just let's get us out of this uh, this dark this dark zone. Is actually Gold Link, the God Complex from 2014, um, and this may not actually be Gold Link's best project, but this was the one that actually introduced me to the entire Selection family. Um, so this is the one that I kind of credit for giving me, I guess, introducing me to that entire world. Everyone from from Gold Link to Lock Him to you know, I mean, that their whole crew that you know, Katranada, Shango. Like, they have the, I think, probably the best sound, and they're the, probably the best collective right now. Mr. Carmack, like, Carmack is one of my favorite producers, period. Um, that, that future bounce. Yeah, man. Like, all of that. They introduced me to Raven Linnae. Like, yeah. they introduced me to Applebee. Like, there's so many artists that I've learned about through them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have to give some sort of recognition to Selection. And so I chose the God Complex, um, well, I guess not only because it was the first and my first introduction to them, but it was a great introduction. Um, that is that's my summer go to like, and you know, in, 
in my car with the with the um you know sunroof back windows down and just paradise, driving as fast oh man come on like that entire album to me from front to back it's another one you know lock him did so oh my goodness lock him is such a great producer and then the the first one um produced by finger Lake, right i haven't i don't know much more produced by him i actually looked him up yesterday to see what else he's been doing but that one song was you know was a bedtime story i think i can't remember which one it was but like that entire project um was great and he's produced several other great projects since then and like i said probably better projects musically mm-hmm. But that one just stuck to me. That's my that's my go-to Golding project. I think, because I've heard all of the other ones, I didn't hear Diaspora. I, I heard it once, but I didn't really like return to it. But I, I feel bad about that. I want I wanted... to... That was a great... That was probably a better project than this one. Actually, not probably. It was. Okay. But sonically and everything. But I guess, emo, like not emotionally, but like as far as feeling and as far as beat and energy, this is the one. Yeah, the guy, it was only like nine tracks too, right? right? It was really short. It was really short and sweet, but yeah, every song was a banger. I remember when it came out, I listened to that album all the time, all the time. And that and that was in my honorable mentions. It just got edged out. I almost feel guilty about that, but that's okay. <laughs> you took it for us. We actually talked before we did this show. We were talking about how we didn't want to kind of have too many duplicates. So mm-hmm. that's, I'll just... Right off your off your off your vibe there. Word up. <laughs> Keeping with that kind of good vibe, Smino, Black Swan. Mm-hmm. So, like I talked about, like this decade has been such a nihilistic. Even when we're listening to trap records about dancing and having a good time, it's still kind of this whole prosperity rap. I'm dope at your expense. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck me and I'll shoot you. I'm great because I sold drugs, and I'm. It's just, it's just, it's, it's kind of baggage to this fun, baggage to this this good time. And for me, more than any other album, Black Swan just exudes that black boy joy mm. vibe that has caught on in our culture. For a time, and even now, I still struggle with like being comfortable and confident in myself. But it's inspiring to see Smino from my hometown, St. Louis, just effortlessly, uh, just. Effortless. Ah, I can't even laugh. You can't say that word effortlessly. Just, effortlessly. Ah, it's a difficult one, isn't right? it? Just <laughs> effortlessly. There you go. Do it here. He just has fun talking about living life. Even raps about sex aren't like disrespectful, mm. like a lot of rap records are. People love Drake and Fonte for transitioning from singing to rapping, but the way Smino does it on his songs, it's like it's like a dolphin playing in and out the water. Mm. he just does it so seamlessly and just what he can do with his mouth is great um, I just love what the Midwest has produced this whole decade uh, No Name you know shout out to that uh, to mm-hmm. Telephone as an honorable mention Chance mm-hmm. Saba who, who we'll get to Sango Felix Raven Lene Jamila Woods just, just nothing else sounds like them right now I just love the fun and positivity from that collective right I want more music like this in the next decade for sure. I'm looking forward to that Saba No Name Smino collab project. Oh, that's uh, going to be. Ghetto Sage. Man, I'm lo- definitely looking forward to that. They're one. like the next uh, Digable Planets. Right. I love Black Swan. Black Swan was a great album. It's, it's another one of my study albums. This one I actually do listen to on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, Noir was just a little bit better. Okay. Um, I, I guess, but I guess I listened to them for two different reasons. Okay. Um, like I said, the Black Swan is is a very chill, just laid back album. But Swan had a lot of bangers on it. Like had a lot of songs that I could dance to. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, what I mean, 
Like that was my wake up in the morning and um, I, I, I play songs based on my exactly what I'm doing at that moment. So I play songs like Clink, for example. That was my, you know, wake up in the morning, getting breakfast ready kind of, you know what I mean? I need that energy. Kind no, it's of, kind it's of a great album. It was so, one of my favorites of, of uh, 2018. It was like my number four of the year. It's fantastic record. Like I could, I learned, I actually learned, um, Smino was another artist that I learned through Monte Booker from Selection. Um, the joint that he did with uh, Monte Booker. I, that's where I learned about Smino. Yeah. And, um, but from every single song that I've heard of his, I've liked. Yeah. Like every single one. And that's a rarity. I, there's been, there's not been one song on any of his albums, on, you know, any of his singles, on any of his Lucy's, on any collaboration. Anything that he touches just sounds amazing. I completely agree. So I, I really, I really like Smino. I, I look forward to seeing a lot more from him in the future. I, I hope he can blow up to be, yeah, you know I mean, as big as all the the rest of these artists that we look at now. Your party next doors, or, you know, your, um, you know, the these guys from Canada who we all look at for a similar sound. I think Smino's better than all of them, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm from St. Louis, and who's our most favorite famous rapper, Nelly, mm-hmm. and. Obviously, he's not Nelly. I don't want him. To, I don't want to say like he's the next Nelly, but I definitely want the world to to know his name and and love his music. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Smino. Definitely, definitely. Well, um, I guess the the next one that I chose is I guess I, I call him every nerd's hero, Childish Gambino. Okay. Childish Gambino for me is the epitome of nerd rap. Like he. Uh, they, well, the album. First of all, the album is because of the internet, mm-hmm. which came out in two thousand thirteen. Yeah. And um, I call him every nerd's hero because he kind of made it cool to be intelligent, in, you know, in some circles, right? He he made it cool to, to rap with, you know, proper diction if you're from the South. He made it cool to not have to speak about, speak in violent terms if you're from the South. Like, he opened up an entire world. I mean, not, not saying it didn't already exist, but mm-hmm. he kind of popularized it, I think. And... You know, I, I give a lot of, a lot of, a lot of credit to Childish Gambino for that. And because the internet is the album that really, you know, I guess kind of expressed a lot of the, the a lot of that to, you know, to the world, I give him a lot of respect. I would argue that Lupe probably did it first, not in the South, but just popularizing nerd rap. Kick Push is a big song, but I don't think it hit the world quite like 2005 because that was at every club that year. Yes. That was a big hit. I can see that. I just don't think Lupe has Lupe has survived enough uh from a, from from the rest of us from the rest of the critics to really to to say that I, he's had that kind, same kind of impact. You know, you got Childish Gambino, you know, also known as Mr. Glover to the rest of the world who's kind of already penetrated a lot of a lot of Hollywood, a lot oh, of yeah. you know, the entertainment industry and then he comes out, you know, even not not saying he wasn't already Childish Gambino, but like he was rapping mm-hmm. and he was acting and producing and doing right. all these other things. He kind of spread that to a different level, whereas we knew Lupe as just, you know, a really intelligent rapper. Right. There, he, Lupe wasn't the first really intelligent rapper. But, you know, Childish Gambino kind of, I don't know, He to me, in my opinion, he just kind of made it cool, like kind of made it okay to cross genres, to really just be yourself as an intelligent individual without being ashamed of it sure. you know that so he was that's one thing i really like about about childish gambino is he always seems to be himself there you don't see him change you don't see him adjust 
he's you know unapologetically himself and i love that about and he's him. always challenging himself sonically too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i wasn't too you know i i don't know why i can't think of it right now but the the one uh the r&b album he did the uh, one with the red bone on it yeah i did my not, love something my love i should remember that but i i liked i did not like that album at first when i first listened to it because mm-hmm. it wasn't what i was hoping for mm-hmm. and then i got rid of my expectations went back and listened to that and that was a beautiful album after i finally just let go of expecting to hear another because the internet mm-hmm. or another uh you know i forgot what's the name of the other album he did with uh jaden smith like the i was expecting a different sound mm-hmm. and then he gave us that and i was like what is this dude and then he came back it was super dope I, what I year did that come out i don't remember because I remember I heard it once. For me, so it's like watching a pilot to a, a TV show. There's just so much music out there that if that pilot doesn't grab you, I just turn it off. And mm-hmm. so I heard it once, and I kind of I think I also just didn't come back to it. But I I will give it a once over again. Okay. Next for me is "Care for Me" by Saba. Another album that transports me. It really feels like its own pocket universe. You're in Saba's mind, his memories, the streets of Chicago. It's such a personal and concise record that really moved me. Once the final track ends, you realize how it connects to the first track. And I remember just leaving this on just and just letting it loop mm-hmm. for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many vignettes of his life from talking about his his friend who was killed to talking about growing up as a child to broken girls which is you know something i never really thought about put to music about dating someone who is emotionally or mentally broken like you mm-hmm. and you're kind of fetishizing those traits as mm-hmm. opposed to really trying to be better or seeing that person seeing that person as a whole person and you're just kind of staying stagnant emotionally and, and mentally. So that really hit me hard. But yeah, there's not much to say about this album that I hadn't said on, on the previous show. But just an amazing work. It's a great album. I mean like it it's part of it's part of my rotation too. You know, this one my working rotation is usually um this album, Black Swan by Smino and um is it East Atlanta Love Stories by Black do you know that one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those three sure. albums kind of flow together mm-hmm. for me. Uh, so that's I I don't know any song on this album either. Not because I don't listen to it. It's just because it's it plays seamlessly, and I don't really know which song is really which. seamless. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I I love this. I have zero complaints about this album either. It's it's a great project. All right, my next album is. Um, I know we we talked a bit about substance abuse <laughs> as far as when you know kid cuddy but this one is kind of dedicated to a different substance that people i won't say abuse it's it comes from the earth <laughs> it's wiz khalifa wiz khalifa's cushion oj okay this to me was peak wiz i haven't really liked much of wiz's stuff since this album uh, but this project itself um just the vibe the mood like this this period of time was when he and currency were just putting out projects left and right mm-hmm. like um you know they had all those mixtapes just this specific sound is what i think of when i think of prime whiz 
not the black and yellow and mm. uh, I'll roll up with Khalifa. Like if he could just stick, could have just stuck to this pocket, this cushion OJ pocket, which I've heard somebody actually mention before um, in an interview with him. They were like, you know, do you ever think you'll ever get back to that sound? And he tried to put out some more songs in that, you know, in that vein, but he's in such a different place right now mm. that, you know, you can't expect any artist to go back. And it, I forgot who said it. It said, if you like my old songs, listen to my old albums or whatever it was. Wasn't that, wasn't that JC or See, Somebody said it, that. It was, it was said, if you like two. my old sound, listen to my old albums or something like that. But that's kind of how Wiz is now. I mean, he's moved so far past it. But to me, this was the best sound that Wiz has ever produced. What was the last time he put out an album? Uh, I have it. I don't remember what it was, but I have it. I don't think I listened to a whole Wiz album in my life. Really? Honestly. Well, actually, if I think about it, this was probably this is probably the only Wiz album that I listened to on purpose, uh, from start to finish. Uh, the other ones were the other ones before this were pretty good. Like I said, with him and Currency, mm-hmm. but this most recent album with him and Currency, I had so I had such high expectations mm-hmm. for it, you know. But uh, it it let me down. I, I need I need that cushion OJ Wiz back or else I just don't really care. Word. But this project was was his standout to me. Okay. My next one is Killer Mike rap music. And I almost want to tie it again with Cancer for Cure. They they were almost like a, like an inverse of Speaker Box and Love Below because mm. they came out within weeks of each other. So for those who don't know, you know, it's been beaten to death, but Rap music is this generation's America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. It yep. got me thinking, it got me starting to think more in a Malcolm by any means mindset. Uh, this was the first album where I heard a rapper criticize Barack Obama, for instance, mm-hmm. from a leftist perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we were used to seeing, you know, J. Cole and Kendrick in the White House. But as an international studies major and someone who follows independent news a lot, I've been kind of quietly critical for years. And it was after this album release that I started to start sharing more political things on the net. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel so alone anymore. But like I said, yeah, this album came just a couple of weeks before Cancer for Cure. And those albums just dominated my ears until Run the Jewels came out. Big Beast still hits so hard. Hardcore, G shit, homie, y'all don't play it. That one, rap Untitled, music. Untitled, that's untitled? my joint. Was Pressure on this one? No. That wasn't on this one? No. Okay. But Untitled, you know, you were witnessing elegance in the form oh, yeah. of a black... Uh, that, that beat goes so... It's, you know, All Right by Kendrick is like that kind of civil right, and I so right, so that kind of Black Lives Matter anthem, mm-hmm. but you could easily cruise to the protests listening to this song right was it i don't trust the pope or the government democrat republican uh just so many bars that whole album is just fantastic yeah this was actually my favorite run the jewels album okay (laughs) even though it was not technically rtj yeah this is um this is my favorite run the jewels project it's it's incredible lp man he did his thing what a what a decade for lp Mm. I mean, I'll get to it a little later. Up, oh, spoiler, but <laughs> oh, as if anybody listening doesn't know that you're a big RTJ fan or, or an, an LP fan or an LP fan. If anybody listens, yeah, that, that's, I, that's not news, bro. I got tight. Yeah, Cancer Cured again. Um, amazing record. Like we we didn't know where LP was going to go after I'll Sleep When You're Dead and and, and the demise of Def Jux, but he came out 
2012, not only with his own record, but mm. producing Kevin Mike's, and he was as sharp as ever. Four Dollar Vic is such a personal record for me. Um, I taught high school, and I dealt with just crippling uh, racism mm. at that school, and it almost made me quit Korea, and almost made me quit being, being a teacher. Mm. I was I was so down, and Four Dollar Vic just <laughs> it was the soundtrack of my soul for for months yeah that album make you go out and do some stuff man yeah my next project let's kind of take it take it back to the more commercial side Mm -hmm. um is kanye west my beautiful dark twisted fantasy yeah possibly in my top 10 favorite rap albums of all time all time of all time um and that's because of the production the production was exquisite and i don't use that word very often but it was amazing the the just the mute the musicality of it i don't even know how to really describe i don't have enough adjectives for for this album um you know as far as raps goes i mean this is where Nicki minaj gave us her best verse ever you know everybody talks about monster um when i was djing i used to play that song often all the time she was busting rhymes man yeah man um like the but the whole thing it had everything you know the full package it was for me it meant it meant a lot to me because i i I always loved kanye until 808s came out i'm still not a big 808s fan same um and so you know lena we had we have friends in common who were big 808s fans who argue for argue for that album you know every day of the week but I wasn't a fan of it. So I was hoping for something different to come out. And mm-hmm. he came out with this album. And everything from Power, you know, got anthems like Power on it. You know, you have, but you have, um, uh, you know, the more melancholy songs on there. You know, you have, I love seeing that clip of him in concert. I oh, can't think of the name of the song right now. But it just starts off with just one piano key. Mm-hmm. Whatever that song is, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it right now. But that so it chose for the bad guys. That song, right? That like that just vibe of the whole thing of how the simplicity yet how intricate that entire album was. Top ten for me, rap albums of all time. Wow, them some strong words. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I I thought about that a lot before I said it, but that that one, I it's undeniable for me. Is that Runaway? Runaway. Thank you. Yeah. Thank okay. you. I felt bad because I couldn't think of the name of the song, but oh, that's a great joint. That's a great, great, great song. That song, that it, that album is another one that had no misses on it. Mm. Absolutely none. I, on I it. agree. The song with John Legend was crazy. The Pusha T was crazy. Like everything just, on there was. Dope. It just set such a standard just out the gate mm-hmm. of this deck of the decade. This is it. This is the sound. Mm-hmm. It was that, and the next next year was Watch the Throne, right? And then I mean, Jesus came out. Right. I mean, he just set the tone. Yeah. Of that decade, for sure. Okay. I'm going to move on to Lupe Fiasco, Droga's Wave. Again, as I said on the previous show, just like Tetsuo and Youth, you can tell just how much Lupe put into this album. And for those who are unfamiliar with this album, the first half is it's kind of a, a story about a slave ship going across the Atlantic, and it sinks during a storm. But slaves, uh, the slaves that are that are drowning, are saved by other slaves who adapted or were magically imbued with powers to to live in the ocean, and they proceed to help other slaves on ships that pass 
over the waters. And the layer here is that Lupe worked for Atlantic Records and they had a big split. And so it's kind of like Lupe made this album to free or inspire minds. And he did that for me. And my favorite line on it was, he said, um, you can accomplish anything if you survive blackness. Hmm. And that's off of the track Manila. I mean, you talked about nerd rap, but for sure, Childish Gambino took it to another level. He kind of took that baton in a more poppy way. But for me, hip-hop is like a young man's genre. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see men around my age. I mean, he's, he's a little older than I am just not only maintaining but staying ambitious mm-hmm. without selling out. I was saying that Childish Gambino sold out or anything like that, but will he make an album about slavery? I, I don't know. He could. He, he certainly could. He did do This Is America. That's true. That's true. Just conceptually, the last two Lupe albums have been, to me, really great, and this one was especially fascinating. Even The the, the last two, Euclid and Joker's Wave and Joker's, was the other one? I'm tripping. Joker's Wave and... Tetsuo and Youth, because Joga's Light came out between that, and I wasn't a big fan of that one. I know you aren't a Tetsuo fan, but... No, I, I was actually shocked that you didn't put Tetsuo on this one. I was actually, I was going to applaud you, actually, for not adding Tetsuo in your top 10 of 2010, because I've literally, for, for those of you listening, I've literally gone back several times, specifically for Brendan, to try and listen and enjoy TNY, like, and but I can't do it. Like, I just don't like that album. I think I would rather listen to Lasers mm. and ooh, Food and Liquor too before I listen to Tetsu and You. That's how bad it is to me. I think the problem with Tetsu, it's not a problem, but I think it's his lyrically, it's his densest record. Mm. And I think with this, his newest album, he kind of kept that lyricism with kind of more like just conceptually, it was more interesting and Tetsu and Youth the big thing was about seasons right mm-hmm. you start off with I forgot the, the season I think it was spring I could be wrong and it goes down in through winter into fall and etc and I thought that was really cool how, how he did that he cut it up in that way but yeah it's okay it's art it's art right it's it is all it's all subjective and Drogas Wave was a great album though like that's it's my favorite Lupe album since The Cool okay um, you know that the cool is still it's a classic album. Oh, it's me. fantastic! You know, it's an amazing project. But uh, Drogas Wave kind of made me feel. I I had been the I had been on the Lupe fell off train. You know, I was on that until this album came out. Okay, I was waiting for something like this, and I was okay. Tetsuo got me back on. He's back because I was on that too. But Tetsuo, that was that was it for me. All right, go go ahead. Uh, where are we at? Okay, so my next project, let's take us to, over to the TDE family, and that is Absol's Control System, mm. 2012. Mm. I mean, look, I was just, I've always been a big cons- conspiracy theorist. I've always been into the metaphysics, and I'd always said there's really, there aren't really many rappers that are for me out there that actually speak to that kind of thing. Jay Electronica was, that, was the guy. That I that you know I would listen to for that, sure. but then you have um you know well I guess I don't know how major they were back then, but like they you have a big label who's really coming up and who's really growing, and you have this one guy out of the group out of the whole Black Hippie crew who you know talks about Bohemian Grove, who talks about your pineal gland, who talks about all this stuff, and the the stuff that I I've just was deep inside that I don't really talk about. You know they say don't talk about politics or religions and stuff like that. Like I don't talk about conspiracies with people. Mm-hmm. You know just because that 
kind of makes him look, you know, look sideways. Like, right. what is this guy talking about? But then you have this guy who's rapping about it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I found myself cheering for him. Like, talk that, talk that. You know, I'm, I'm, and since then, I've always listened to Absol for that very reason, you know. And, uh, but this album, Control Systems, was just the, I guess, the epitome of that. The, epi- the epitome of conspiracy rap on a, on a, I guess, major scale. Of course, it exists in the underground all sure. over the place. But, you know, he kind of brought it to a major scale, and I appreciated it for that. And Terrorist Threats, the joint with Danny Brown and Janae Aiko, is one of my favorite TDE songs, period. It's a great record. Great, great record. Yep. I'm about to listen to that on my way home. <laughs> it's, yeah. the, it's, one, it's a great winter song, specifically. Just the, the actual production with, you know, the wind in the background and... Janae's voice kind of sounds like a light gale, you know, a light yeah. winter gale. Like, it's was that the song? That was one of the first songs to really introduce Janae, right? It wasn't her first song, but that was one of her earlier tracks, wasn't it? I don't know enough about her to say yes or no on that, but okay. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, she's fantastic. I know that, that's that why I first great. learned about Danny Brown, for sure, I think. Yeah, I think that was where I learned about Danny Brown. That's a dope record. I do want to go back. That whole year for T, you had Control System mm-hmm. that year, Good Kid, Mad City, mm-hmm. and School Q, Habits and Contradictions. Habits and Contradictions, yeah. What a great year for them. That's right. My next album, Sylvan LeCou, Apologies in Advance. Mm-hmm. I talked about this album at length on my favorite albums of 2018, Show with Sean Soul. It was, it was my number two that year. But again, it's so refreshing to see a concept album pulled off so well. So this is an album dedicated to recognizing problematic elements within ourselves, mental health, uh, and healing. The album is laced with 12 skits or interludes kind of based on, on the 12 steps. They include people, I'm assuming, in an AA meeting addressing different questions to help them heal and love themselves as whole people. And just Sylvan as a rapper, just he he really sounds like Kendrick, I mean, this sounds like he was inspired by Good Kid or To Pimp a Butterfly and tried to make his own entry in that level of concept and execution. You know, in this capitalist, neoliberal society, we are constantly told and pressured to feel that we're not enough. And it can drive us to madness, narcissism and apathy, depression, anxiety. And this album was really inspiring to me and helping not only to heal myself, but to also have more empathy and patience for other people. Mm. So it's been, this this one meant a lot to me. Yeah, I wasn't really up on Sylvan LeCue. I heard you mention him before. I think it was in the, uh, on the show with Sean Soul 2018, but um, the 2019, actually, it was, but a wrap-up of 2018. Right. Um, I think that's where I learned about it, but I really wasn't up on it. And um, after I received your list, I went and checked them out, and he has some potential. I saved it, actually, in my favorites and title. Uh, to go back and check it out. Yeah, really good. Now I talked about Danny Brown actually mm-hmm. um, in the Absol from the Absol album, but Danny Brown is actually next on my list, and it's the Triple uh, X album that he did, or tape, or whatever you want to call it. Um, again, this was 2012, and you know, not only was I into all this other stuff, I was also drinking a lot in 2012. Man, I was on. You know, I was I was on some derelict type stuff. I was two years into Korea, you know, still standing outside in front of the CU with soju bottles. You know, I was I was still doing that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Danny Brown was the the soundtrack to my debauchery. Let's just say that um, this album, though, 
was the I guess this album proved to me how lyrical Danny Brown really is like mm-hmm. when you hear a lot of his singles and you just hear his raunchiness and things like that and you just think oh this dude is just crazy you know he's mm-hmm. insane clown posse crazy but dude had some serious bars when he's talking about this stuff and uh I had so from then I listened to Danny Brown a little bit differently you know and you know he also changes his voice up so he has this more serious serious right, exactly. lyrical voice um, on songs like Pock Blood, but then you know he has another song called Radio Song where he changes his voice to this really high pitch, mm. squeaky voice. You know the the Danny Brown voice that we've come to know and love. Like, but he's he goes party all the time. That was this album too, right? Party all the time. She wants to party all the time. Yeah, party all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That and this song had so many you know good songs in the Bruiser Brigade mm-hmm. was a, Die Like a Rock Star like it had so many so many so many dope songs on it yeah Triple X and it's really cool to see him cause he's he started out a little older like he blew up a little older he's the same age as me actually oh really yeah. okay yeah. older older like me that's right yeah <laughs> older is, is a word um not say old speaking of older my next album is Run the Jewels Run the Jewels 2 mm-hmm. and again LP and Killer Mike, these two became more famous, the, the most they've ever been, in their late 30s. So again, that gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, no one saw LP coming this decade. This is like his his best he's ever been. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, that beat for Oh My Darling Don't Cry. Ooh, bruh. Like, when... You know, I loved RTJ1. It just came out of nowhere. No one saw that coming. It just released it, you know. Butane off of rap music gave it a taste of what to come, but, man, when the first single was Blockbuster Night. Mm. And, you know, Killer Mike's verse, Top of the Morning, My Fist to Your Face is Fucking Folgers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, as you said, when Oh My Darling came out, I think, two weeks later, and that, I knew at that point they were going to take things to another level. Mm. Like that, I can't think of a better beat change Mm-hmm. From oh, last that decade. beat changed. <laughs> that transition was nuts. Ooh. And then L's line, I'm not from Earth, from far away. I bust through chests like baby grays. And was, you know, I'm a huge alien fan. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. I was so excited. That mm, the back to back combo with Close Your Eyes on that album is like one of the best like three piece combos mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of sequencing this decade. And like, you know, all of L's projects, it's just incredible how he sequences his work and makes all the tracks kind of flow together. Right. You can always expect him to make fantastic bookends to his albums, the intros and the outros. They're they're always standouts. Mm -hmm. Another step up from the debut album is how they added more social political commentary with Light, Sheet, Steel, Crown, Early, and Angel Duster. Like that that added piano layer at the end of Angel Duster Mm -hmm. on the outro is just just beautiful. And RTJ is, for me, three for three. I'm really excited for the new album this year, but I think RTJ2 is their crown jewel right now. Have they hinted at a release date yet? Not a release date, but L said it's coming out this year, for sure. That's what's up. My next project is, I guess, you know, back to the commercial side of things, uh, Jay-Z's 444. Mm. And that to, this album, to me, was significant because it marked a transition, I guess, in how a lot of us view Jay-Z, you know, from... Jay-Z the rapper to Jay-Z the everything else, the mogul, the, you know, the faithful husband. You know, this was his apology album. Mm-hmm. This, uh, um, But he 
you know, talked a lot about, uh, he, well, he's always, let's be fair, he's always talked a lot about black wealth and community. But this album kind of solidified where he is in, you know, where he places himself in the black community and where he wants to be, I guess, as far as where he wants to be looked up to, how he wants to be looked up to for the current generation of of black men and specifically hip-hop artists. Mm-hmm. I know we had a discussion about this in, uh, the last time I was here, mm-hmm. but you know, even if it may be superficial, a lot of people are still looking at this saying, you know, okay, Jay-Z, you know, this black billionaire rapper is talking like this. Okay, you know, there's something to it. So even if it's just symbolically, uh, he means something to this current generation of rappers. And so I, I really appreciated that. But to to speak to the album in particular, um, I love the album sonically. Every song on it meant something different to me. It felt differently. But even more so were the music videos. If you watch the... It, it was like watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I think that it the video spoke just as much as, or if not more than the songs themselves did. And so I really appreciated that. Me coming from a video background, having those visuals to accompany the song um, was great. And the in, the accompanying interviews as well, not sure. just the music videos. Um, it it I think it meant a lot for uh, what is to come from Jay-Z and his entire camp. And it gives me a lot to look forward to from, from Rock Nation. On that note, it's very interesting this past decade about how we experience albums you have just rollouts you got twitter you got these interviews you got these visuals mm-hmm. and just, just it's not just like in the 90s where here's the album mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. come to my concert and here's a generic video of me kind of just you know move my hands around and and rap and there's so much behind that's right these albums now yeah i it's, it's a great album you know i i you know we talked about black capitalism in, in, in a sense but you know as a whole black people especially men are not really taught enough about economics at mm-hmm. a young age mm-hmm. and so it's better than nothing and so right. i definitely respect that you know his uh story of oj you know talking about just credit like how important that is like who right. really talks about those right. things and so i i totally resonate with that so i i agree it's, it's a great album right great album great album all right so my, my last one, it's of no surprise to those who know me, but Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. Um, As it should be. Yeah. Given his discography, it's kind of like Radiohead or something. Like everyone has a favorite Radiohead album, and I think everyone has a favorite Kendrick album. Right. Section 80, Good Kid, Damn, to Pimp a Butterfly. I mean, but for me, I think regardless of your favorite, this is undoubtedly his most important I agree 100%. And this came out in 2015. It's arriving in the midst of the protests against racism in the States. No other mainstream rap album came close to that level of Afrocentrism in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were complaints at the time, you know, listening to Black the Berry, someone were like, it's too black and I can't, I can't relate to this, but it's like, look at it from a movie perspective. Do you have, do you need to be an Italian gangster to appreciate The Godfather? Mm-hmm. Do you need to be Jewish to appreciate Schindler's List or a toy or a child to appreciate Toy Story, right? right. At their core, they touch on character traits and situations that most, to all people, can understand. And for Barry, Black with the Barry, it was, the pri- it was pride in the face of unfair and constant persecution. So this album speaks on issues that many, regardless of race, age, or gender, have gone through. The arrogance, 
that comes with intelligence or success, the guilt of leaving behind loved ones on your path to success, addiction, shaken morals, depression, learning humility, loving yourself again. While these issues have been covered in hip-hop in the past, um, it was fascinating to watch how this new generation handled it. And I think this was, again, kind of the crown jewel of this decade. Amazing instrumentation, the jazz, the funk, the soul. Yeah, I, I personally can't say enough about this album. Yeah. It, this would have been on my list as well, but as you know, we, we're trying not to duplicate, so we talked about it before. All Right being the theme of 2015. Mm. That just, that song, uh, I remember in the the um, the Facebook group, that the hip-hop Facebook group that we're in together. Um, shout that, out to hip-hop lovers. Shout out to hip-hop lovers. That um, We talked about that a bit, and um, we were talking about, I guess, the some of the most impactful or important songs of the decade. Mm-hmm. And a lot, I saw people questioning you when you mentioned All Right as, as one of them. Well, it in our poll in the group, it was right. number one, easily. But I mean, I was just shocked to see even those who disagreed. I didn't understand how people could not they understand black for one thing. Oh, really? No. So I don't, I didn't pay that that close attention. But I was like, how can you not understand? But okay, if you tell me they're not black, then they wouldn't get it. But again, it just it illustrates that there are people who partake in our music, but will never truly understand mm-hmm. that music. Mm-hmm. There are, there are some people that, you know, that are in it for, you know, for just the music. And there are some people that actually, you know, can feel the movement and can understand the movement, can know what it's actually about. And obviously those who, who disagreed with that, I you know, shoot, the whole album is like that. I mean, he started off talk, calling himself King Kunta. I mean, it doesn't get any blacker than that. Like, I love that project. That's one of my favorite albums, too. Totally. I, I really related to, to Mama a lot. It was mm-hmm. a great beat, but just the idea of I've gone abroad, I've done all this stuff, I know everything, I know everything, you don't got to you gotta tell me shit. Mm-hmm. And then when you get home, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I don't know as much as I thought I did. Yep. And again, that, that humility. Again, it's great to see black men express that kind of vulnerability and humility right. this decade. Well, I had one more album on my list. Yeah, please. Um, and uh, it's Hiatus uh, Coyote, Choose Your Weapon mm. uh, from 2015. Man, I need another Hiatus Coyote album. Uh, they, I mean, for those of you who don't know, they are a neo-soul band out of Australia. And, I mean, they're just, their music is just beautiful. Uh, I don't know if you, did you ever listen to uh, Napalm's, her solo project that she No, I haven't. It's, it's... Coyote-ish, but it's still it's not the full band. I mean, there's nothing like their sound. It's I love everything that they put out. I totally agree. Um, pick a bigger weapon. Uh, choose was it? Choose your weapon is um is just such an amazing project. I just I really need more from them. Like seriously. I I don't know if I don't know if they can outdo Choose Your Weapon though, because it was I think they might be. I don't. The only reason why I think they wouldn't do another project is because maybe they can't outdo the last. Afraid of not, you know, chop themselves. Maybe. Yeah. For those who may not know, this band. If you listen to Anderson Pox Malibu, he sampled molasses on that song "Without You" with Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. And on that note, before we get out of here, let's talk about some of our honorable mentions really quick. Mm-hmm. So Anderson Pox Malibu was just 
barely missed. Again, it was kind of that black boy joy. Again, singer, rapper. I mean, Malibu is such a fantastic project. Mm-hmm. And How Does Coyote, actually, I was up there too with me, mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. with uh, Ego Death by the Internet. Yes, that was another good project. That's a vibe. Um, Solange got edged out here. Mm-hmm. Solange, two weeks after um, A Seat at the Table came out, I went to therapy for the first time in my life. Mm. It was that album, along with Butterfly, I was just like, wow, I really need to get my life together. Right. See the Table was kind of like eating your mom's hearty beef stew wrapped in a blanket <laughs> at a fireplace in a cottage in the middle of a snowstorm. It was just so comforting to me. Mm-hmm. Any, any For more? me, my, my um, I guess the only one that we didn't mention was uh, Homeboy Sandman, First of a Living Breed. Mm-hmm. Um, just a great. great, great, great project. I haven't really liked... Uh, his later projects as much as this one. Agreed. Um, but that, you know, First of a Living Breed was just such a solid project. He's always been such an amazing rapper. I just wish he would make better songs in the current day. Yeah. Um, but First of a Living Breed, he, you know, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, but just lyrically, it felt to me like he was at his peak. He was at his top. Yeah. And uh, I guess the only other album I would add to um, my favorite albums of, or I would say the most impactful album of in 2010 is the album that we still haven't gotten from Jay Electronica. <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> that is the most impactful album of 2010. You know how many people are still talking about that, or the 2010s rather, how many people are still talking about that album? Remember when he was what? kind of really gassing us up that he was really about, about to about drop to it, thing? Yeah, yeah. Did the whole announcement thing, you know, started releasing a couple like Lucy's a here and there. Five years later. <laughs> Crickets. And, then, you know, like I said, people are still talking about it. Whenever you see him randomly, you hear people interview Erica Badu and they ask her about it. Like, that song is not only, I mean, that album is not only in my top 10 of 2010s. It's also going to be in my top 10 of the, the 2020s. And all time. Whether it comes out or not. It's just people, it's the most anticipated album ever. And I think now it's so anticipated that it's, that it's never going to come out. I mean, again, it's like, how can you live up to that kind of hype? Mm-hmm. Really quick, some other honorable mentions. Ka, Honor Killed the Samurai. Mm-hmm. Tyler, Flower Boy. Yep. Um, Vince Staples, Summertime 06. Aesop Rocky, at long last, ASAP was great a album. great album. Great album. And... Rhapsody, Layla's Wisdom. Eve is great, but I I think, honestly, Layla's Wisdom is probably better for me. Right. And shout out to Big Crit, Forever is a Mighty Long Time. A double album, Mm -hmm. probably the best double album in rap, just on a consistent level. Pound for pound beat and and lyricism. Fantastic record. I'd also have to add in uh, 21 Savage, I Am Is Greater Than What I Was. That album for me... Even as, as ratchet and crude as it might mm-hmm. be, was super solid, mm-hmm. and I I loved the project. It it kind of brought that Atlanta sound with a little bit, you know, mixed in. I guess intelligence. It was the mirror to the South to me at that time. Mm. But you know, musically and sonically, I'd have to put that in my honorable mentions. I never, I've never heard it. No, I can't get into his to him his mm-hmm. voice and just. I was like that until this project. No okay. Thing. I'll check it out. Yeah. I was like that until this project. And shout out to Griselda, who I wish I could have put in my top 10 list. All all of their projects are great. Um, but again, since they're just so recent, I just think it's it's not fair. And I would put, I would 
there are so many other albums that came out before that that I've had time to sit with and meditate on before you know I created this list. Sure. Are there any albums you're looking forward to this year? Other than the J Electronic album. Um, I want to see, of course, I want to see uh, Cuddy put something else out um, without Kanye on it. It's uh, been two years, so yeah, yeah. It's it's about it's about time for a new Cuddy album. Um, but as far as announcements, I haven't really heard any announcements that really have me excited. Besides RTJ, I'm not really excited about RTJ. I like them, I like them a lot, mm-hmm. and I will listen to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't run to RTJ. It's for me. Oh, look, they're coming out. Hey, great. That's number one for me. Kendrick hasn't dropped in three years. It's about time. It's about time. Looking Apparently forward to he has, a, he has a kid now, so maybe he's just being a dad for a while, and that's great. That is. Be a dad, man. Um, but also show us, you know, give us some art that reflects that experience. I, I'd love to hear that perspective from him. Gambino's retirement album should come out this year, I believe. Oh, okay. He's, he's I know re- that. He's retiring from music, and I believe, I think it's this year. So I hate when people retire from music. It doesn't make any sense. You'll right. you'll come back in five years. <laughs> right, right. I heard I heard rumors that J. Cole was recording a music video. Really? And so I'm sure he'll drop. I mean, he dropped um, Force Will Drive in 2014. He dropped For Your Eyes Only in 2016. He dropped KOD in 2018. So it would stand to reason that he'll probably drop something this year. All right. You know, it's J. Cole. I like KOD. Yeah. I didn't really love a lot of the other stuff, but KOD was pretty good. And if he can evolve and, and grow from that, then yeah, sure. Right. I'm down for it. Well, okay. Everyone, this about concludes this show. Before we go... Have you seen Bad Boys 3? Not yet. When I watched this movie, there's a scene where Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are standing in front of a door to like go talk to a person. Martin Lawrence is like, hey, let's just knock on the door and talk to him, man. Let's just be, let's be chill. And, Will, and Will's like, or Mike Lowry's like, fuck that, and just kicks the door down with this gun out. And there's a, there's a white guy snorting coke, and he gets, and he gets up like kind of ready to like defend himself. And... If this was the 90s or early 2000s, you would kind of laugh at that. But after all that we've seen and know about cops these days, Hmm. that kind of, for me, that kind of cop worship, I felt such fear for that white dude and anger at Will Smith for being like a fascist. Hmm. And I didn't mention this on my review. I forgot to talk about it. And I wonder how black folks feel about that, whether they turn their brains off and just enjoyed the moment or if they had some kind of recoil on that because he had his gun out. He said, I know you're just hopped up on drugs right now, but if you move on me, I will shoot you. Hmm. And there was no other option. There was no, I'll tase you, I'll just tackle you to the ground with my you know, police training. He said, I will, I will kill you. I'll be honest, my first reaction upon hearing that story, I was excited for you know, Mike Lowry. Like, yeah, get him, you know what I mean? But you're right, and thinking about it, and thinking about it in more realistic terms, you know, I'm I'm one of those guys who will wa- get those cop watch videos and scroll through them just to see what kind of ridiculousness happens. And yeah, if it if it were you know a more reality based story, I would have yeah. Or just there was simple race swap. What if that if Mike Lair was was a white dude, mm-hmm. and and he just burst into a black guy's apartment mm-hmm. after he had you know smoked a joint, and he's kind of dazed and like what's going on, and, and his gun out like stop moving or I will kill you, mm-hmm. that's going to evoke, invoke a lot of fear. Totally different anger. emotion. But I guess since the shoe is generally on the other foot, like the, the shoe is most publicly on the other foot, mm-hmm. 
um, it's more difficult to, I guess, to receive that emotion because normally we're used to seeing it, seeing it that way. The where the white cop busts in on a person of color, yeah, and you know you get that kind of you know reaction. I will shoot you if you move. Versus saying, hey, put you know, put the blunt down and you know lay on your lay on your stomach. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, like th- there's that. I I guess naturally we you know that reaction comes out since that's the, that's the more common thing that we hear right and so i guess hearing it seeing it in a movie like that i don't you know it didn't it wouldn't really affect me as much as perhaps i don't know i won't say should or shouldn't but it just wouldn't affect me that much okay cool tell us what your favorite albums are in the comments be sure to give us a review we're on apple Podcasts. we're on spotify we're on anchor find us there i want to thank Jack Zilla for being here. My pleasure anytime. Yeah, it was awesome. Take care, y'all. Peace. Peace.